It's like people that are like, oh yeah, I'm from New York City. And you're like, really, where from? They're like, Poughkeepsie. And you're like, that's not, that's not in the city. Why would you say that? Hello and welcome. This is uh, XN2 episode dose, uh, or XN1, I should say. Um, I'm rejoined by uh, my intrepid co-host, uh, Custody Cliff. Welcome, Cliff. Hello, Tim. How's it going? And uh, it's going. And we are uh, joined by a longtime friend uh, and fellow uh, Warhammer dad, uh, Mitch from Sister Act Podcast. Say hey, Mitch. Hey, Tim. Hey, Cliff. Nice to get a chance to be on this very cool new show with you guys. I think I do qualify as a Warhammer dad, so. <laughs> you definitely do. Um, yep. No. So, uh, again, for those who join us for uh, the first time, or this is our second episode, uh, we kind of identified a, uh, a portion or demographic of the hobby that we felt was a little bit underrepresented, and that was either... Um, the competitive casual or just the um, the competitive guys who just had the time to to dedicate a ton of time uh, to the hobby. Um, and that can take multiple different forms. Uh, for, for me, I like to go to events and be as competitive as I can and travel. Uh, but I don't always get the chance to just like jam 20 games in a weekend, you know, to prepare for an event the next weekend then hit like three GTs in a month. Uh, some people that could be... Um, competitive hobbying, other people that could be uh, podcasting, content creation. Um, what I've seen a lot of us do is uh, even uh, running events, creating events, uh, that sort of thing. Um, so really this show is for anyone who is, I guess, a little more invested in the hobby than what would be considered uh, normal, uh, maybe a little bit obsessed, but still also at the same time balancing um, work, life, family, spouses, uh houses jobs all that kind of fun stuff um and just kind of like you know managing uh tips tricks and uh expectations from those of us who are who are doing it and making it happen so i understand this tim the target demographic is the weirdos among the weirdos i.e <laughs> really extreme 40k players who passes normies because they have day jobs and kids and stuff did i get that right exactly exactly awesome. uh if you have ever you. put your kid down and then stayed up till one in the morning painting for an event that you're going to be doing in two days. Uh, <laughs> this is, this is probably the show for you. <laughs> I call it dad time. Uh, Cliff, you got anything to add on to that? No, nah, that was it, man. You nailed it. Uh, you know, another show on the stat check empire slash network. Uh, lots of other shows hit up the flagship Tuesdays at 6 PM Eastern. I don't know the other time zones, but, you guys know because you watch them. Uh, the flagship stat check show running down the previous weekend stats. Um, oh, dope. We got our first spammer in Twitch. That's nice. Cool. Spam bar. We, we made it. We made it, boys. Made it, baby. Um, if you're looking for a very competitive, excellently articulated analysis of the team game, hit up Enter the Matrix, also on our channel, appearing uh, periodically, coming off of the uh, preview Patreon early access discord situation uh and join our discord because it's like almost 200 people now everybody's cool good chaotic good energy 
uh, you can hit us up on patreon.com slash stat check. Um, yeah, get after it. We're excited about it. Cool. Let's uh, let's go ahead and touch base real quick, uh, just because uh, obviously we have a lot of, you know, we have our own schedule and we've somehow managed to shoehorn uh, this content creation into our normal hectic lives. You know, that's why we do this every other week instead of every week. I'm already um, barely making it, Tim. <laughs> no, you know, I, I feel you. I feel you. But uh, it's cool. I mean, Cliff and I talk online all the time, but um, we'll start with, uh, I guess, Cliff, then myself, and then Mitch, because I haven't, I haven't actually talked directly to Mitch in a, a while. And I, I've been watching him, and he's been doing a lot of stuff. So I definitely want to catch up with him. Uh, but, uh, but Cliff, what have you been up to the past two weeks? Oh, God. Um, so two things made, made an update to the dashboard, which is cool. Um, we got some... <laughs> We got some like cynically, uh, cynically toned feedback over the Art of War Discord about the readability of the dashboard. So I was like, all right, cool. Behind the cynicism, there is actually really good feedback. So we added this tab that has um, just straight up bar charts for the win rates for all the factions in the game um, alongside the overrep for each of those factions, which is our like uh estimation of how competitively viable the faction really is which is like their presence in the overall player population uh versus their presence in the top four population across all the gt plus events gt plus events being events for at least five rounds at least 25 players so at a glance you can see like are the win rates good is the overrep high hmm this might be overtuned uh, and you can see that in line with the player pop to see how big a deal it's going to be in your life. And then when you click on faction, sub-faction win rates pop up. It's a whole cool thing. So, um, yeah, hit up the dashboard link on stat-check.com to check that out. That was, like, a remarkably long amount of time <laughs> that I thought was actually going to be very simple. It didn't turn out to be because Tableau is silly. Uh, and then I'm officially starting on my Death Watch journey. Which when Arc Storm and previews came out, I was pretty excited about. It. I was like, "Sick! I'm gonna get like a 480 point unit for 300 points. I'm gonna do that five times. And I'm gonna go crush it." <laughs> Still like heavy bolters, Cliff. Yeah, that didn't, quite, that didn't quite pan out, did it? That didn't quite pan out, but I'm sticking with it. And uh, wait, <laughs> I'm gonna take. I gotta take this opportunity to uh, rag on myself a little bit because. I've incorrectly decided to. <laughs> I'm just going to stream this real, uh, share my desktop real quick. All right, cool. This is so, where we go, ooh, ah. This is where we go, ooh, ah. This is like the actual Tableau thing. So here's the terrible decision that I made. I picked Death Watch, and I committed to it for the year. It's going to be great. This is Death Watch <laughs> right now in Arcs. Are you doing the uh, you doing the Vanguard Tactics special where you have to lock in your uh, <laughs> you have to lock in your faction at the start of the year? This is it's going to be a brutal time. But I like I posted a list in the Discord. I think there's some like interesting stuff in there. Um, I anticipate going two and three, maybe three and two at any five round events I go to, and like that's my reasonable expectation for the upper level of performance for this faction. Now there's 28 games played. There's probably something there that like could be exploited by a better skilled player than I am, but those people are all busy playing Iron Hands and Dark Angels if they're uh, Marines aficionado. So that's uh, that's where we're at. That's my plan. They're so cool, though. 
And they do have so many cool there's, tricks. There's so, you can outskill people with Death Watch to a three-two. I feel like. Yeah, there's some interesting mobility stuff there. Like, like they've uh, also they've also perennially like felt the most like Space Marines in my opinion. Yes. You know, mm. uh, I can't quite describe it, but you know, like what I at least what I think of in my head is like Space Marines, like space slash tactical and that kind of thing, adaptive. Like, I don't know, Death Watch kind of nails it. Yeah, you can do a lot. There's a lot to do within the game and with all the units. There's all these cool stratagems, all these intricate kill teams you can make. And like, yeah, there's a lot of space there. It's slightly overwhelming, I think, for a player of my middling skill. Uh, but we're gonna, you know, we're gonna get better over the next six to twelve months and see what happens. I, one of my regular sparring partners was a Death Watch player for a while, and he's unfortunately dropped them because of what you just showed on the dashboard. <laughs> he kind of intuited it before the numbers came out. Uh, but I I probably have played that Death Watch faction a dozen times, and even the dozenth time, I was still like, ah, oh, crap, they can turn into white scars and advance and charge me. Like, there's so many tricks. Right, right. There is a lot of, like, you know, slamming that melee chaplain on a bike, uh, you know, like 27 inches across the board and having him just truck something, that will feel oh, good. Man. Who... Uh... I'm not, I'm like taking back. Who is that? I'm drawing a blank. Who is that? Uh, that one character on Mortal Kombat, the one that could like just at any time just emulate any other characters like moves and styles, whatever. Um, the name is not important, but there was that. There was that one. He was he was one of the bad guys. Um, yeah. But basically, he could like, just at any time emulate the moves or like the the move set of any other fighter, and it really rewarded you if you're one of those people that had just mastered like every character in the game or at least all the strong ones and i feel like death watch like when marines are really good um death watch does that to a little bit of a degree because you're kind of like if you're like oh uh salamanders ignore one ap would be really strong right here you know or oh um advanced charge or plus one to wound would be like really strong right here um when yep. we did when we brought proviathan um back when i was Brohammer. Uh, to Las Vegas, that was actually the strongest part of the list, in my opinion. And probably who we could tell who understood the list and who didn't is if it had gray shield in it, uh, because like certain oh, times, if, gray if someone, is so good. because if someone if you were running into like Iron Hands Mirror, and um, and they tried to like you know if you're running into White Scars and you're playing uh, Iron Hands and they tried to push into you, you would call Salamanders and you would completely negate their assault doctrine, at least the AP part of it. Um, or if they were like having a closed board state where like they were just kind of like not letting you, not exposing anything and trying to like outscore you passively, then you could like push up and stage um, while you're covering your advance with all your guns. And then the next turn call white scars and then push into them. Uh, and it just, you know, and like if they, or if they try to tag all your stuff, you call ultramarines and then you move back and you shoot at minus one to hit. Uh, and so that was the really strongest part. Everyone talked about the chaplain dreads and Leviathan, but honestly, I would have, if I would, if I could go back in time, I would have dropped all three chaplain dreads and then however many intercessors that gets, I just would have done that. Mm -hmm. uh, the two characters, Leviathan Dread, the Eliminators, and then all the intercessors. Good times. Yeah. That um, cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I actually got, I was pretty happy myself. I actually got a bunch of games uh since the last show uh we have a gt down here locally literally three minutes from my house the uh hey want to play salty classic uh we're at capacity with 45 46 people uh and then also i'm still doing uh wtc stuff for team america 
Uh, so a few days ago, apologize, my son is getting uh, put down to bed. He does not like it. This um, is the, the most acceptable show for that to be true on, though, right? All of right? Shows. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, hi, I play actually played my orcs against Jaime Paris, and he promptly put me in a locker, so that was fun. But Jaime Paris is always a great opponent. Um, but uh, and we have a scrim for Greece coming up in two weeks, and I've actually been getting a bunch of uh games in with uh world eaters, um, who by the way were they weren't really a faction back then, but back in like third edition, like 96, 97, uh, the first models I purchased were the brand new at the time plastic land raider the brand new at the time plastic zerkers mm. uh that really shitty bloodthirster with the wings that always fell off and had like, <laughs> a contact point like this big and i was like i was like 12 at the time so like i didn't have like the resources to pin stuff you know and it was just this tutor model and i was trying not to like, <laughs> amputate my fingertips with like the hobby knife and it was just it was a mess uh and then i had karn the betrayer and i think still the current i, think model, it. I, think it, I believe uh no karn has a has a plastic has a plastic model where his axe is like is like behind him this was the okay. old one where like he was like he was like standing still like static with the axe raised above his head but that act that oh model was, i remember that model yeah. that model went hard though that model did go hard yeah you can use that as a uh like an exalt as a uh aspiring champion for like a zerker squad it still fits the scales right um great model i've actually been looking for one to try to like re-add it to my collection i kind of want to get that old bloodthirster used as a demon prince um but yeah, we're I've I've always um, out of all the factions of the game, uh, I would say the one that's kind of been near and dear to my heart has just been anything corn related. And I was I had really high hopes when the Demon Codex came out, and the Demon Codex is strong, but also it didn't quite land for me thematically the way I was hoping to. Even though playing with Bloodthirsters and having Bloodthirsters be viable again was really cool. Uh, but World Eaters has been awesome it's been everything i wanted um so i've been jamming games with that um it definitely reminds me how tricky a pure melee army can be when you don't have any access to like ignoring phase caps uh out of phase damage uh fight last fight first any of that kind mm -hmm. of stuff so i've had to do like old-fashioned stuff like basing people with a rhino or basing people with zerkers and then like characters on the ends with like within an inch so i'm like okay well if you interrupt you have to go into these zerkers who will then fight on death one guy can swing into this juggernaut lord. One guy can swing into Invocatus. Do you want to interrupt? They're like, well, I guess I don't. Like, that's right, you don't. And I just pick them up, you know, like that <laughs> kind of stuff. Like you had to do with the, uh, like the uh, eighth edition um, Bloody Rose list. Same yeah. thing. You're playing a T you're playing a T three combat army with no access to fight first, no access to reroll wounds. So you usually had to put multiple units into like any kind of Death Star like type like big like big brick. You had to hit it with multiple units. Um, and so you had to do a lot of stuff like that. Two uh, of my it's been fun. Played uh, world leaders into um, GSC recently, and obviously the world leaders are the more unknown of the two quantities. Uh, and at end of battle round three, the score was seventy to GSC, twenty eight to world leaders. By the end of the game, the score was seventy six to GSC, ninety five to world leaders. <laughs> yeah, that sounds right. So, and um, and we said what happened? Like, oh yeah, they just like. Kind of killed everything. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, cares right? not, right? they they do kill everything. And I do they. I I was really wondering how they're going to do this, uh, and I was talking to some other people, and I swear I didn't have any kind of like insider knowledge or whatever. But I was like, man, I was like, I don't think they're going to give us advance in charge because that can't just be like the old. 
oh, how do we make a Sarmi good? Just slap an advance and charge on it. Boom, done. Like, the, I didn't see them doing that, but I was like, man, they got to have like a warlord trait that's like plus two inch movement or something like that, like aura, something like that. And then lo and behold, it's just an aura that the lords get. Uh, so that was kind of cool. Um, I like, it basically seems like the army is designed scoring and output wise around like only 20% of your guys like really getting in to combat in a close game. So <laughs> it is what it is, but I mean, it's cool. It's my list doesn't run allies, but you could take allies. And then when they kill stuff or when they die, it helps feed your blood tithe. When you die, it feeds your blood tithe and you kill stuff, feeds your blood tithe, which directly feeds into your scoring and your power. Um, and it's been a nice learning curve of, of like, how do I balance this resource snowballing my army and power versus keeping up on the score. And then also you need to kind of like feed out your units, you know, and get aggressive with your units to power up the rest of your units, but you can't throw out so many units that you don't have anything left to power up. So it's kind of, it's been kind of like a little bit of sliding scale. Um, and I think the surface nature simplicity of the army kind of like belies that deeper mm. kind of uh, complexity. So it's been fun. Tim. What are a couple, what's like something that you suspected was true before you put the army on the table and you and you hit the table and you're like, all right, confirmed, this does what I thought. And then what's something where you're like, oh, I didn't anticipate that in my theory crafting. Um, man, I, you still sometimes, you just, when your army before it turns on and you're hitting on twos, sometimes, uh, sometimes you just get diced. Um, I've, I've rolled out activations on Zerkers and I just roll like eight twos and nothing hits, you know? Uh, uh, there's a lot of stuff that's weirdly like strength six, strength seven at these like weird kind of awkward breakpoints. Uh, and so the the stat line will sound threatening on paper. Then you actually like activate and you're kind of like, Ooh, didn't quite do what I expected. Um, yeah. But it, it's it's been good. It's, it's a very old fashioned kind of melee army, but that's kind of what I was expecting. And I like it. Um, and it's also got... It's also got enough scoring and enough kind of like juice in there where I think um, I don't know if 10th edition is going to power creep us forward. I hope it doesn't. Um, but if 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 this book like once this book is like a year or too old, whatever the future holds, like when the game starts power creeping and the stat lines aren't as oppressive anymore, because that's what happened with like demons when the 8th edition demon book came out, the corn demons seemed insane. And then by the end of 8th edition, like corn demons, their stat lines was pretty tame um but i think there's enough i think there's enough meat in the bone where like maybe we'll future proof it anyways uh mitch what's up with you man what's uh it's been years since we've talked uh i know sister act is booming uh last i saw you're involved with wtc uh you're living it up over there in uh london i think you moved over there and you've been doing great talk to us what do you got going on man uh depends when you want to date the start of the update to but uh yeah so Uh, i i Last time I was on Sister Act, was it like a year and a half? Oh two my years god, ago? that was a little longer. Yeah, uh, I mean, I live in the UK now. I live in Oxford. My wife is a PhD candidate here, so we're doing that, uh, which is great. In part because the 40k scene here is awesome. Uh, it is. So jealous, man. I, I feel like uh, I, I love stat check, and so of course I listen to Anthony Anthony repeatedly simp for the quality of UK events. He's not wrong. I've done several Novas. I've done LVO 2020, and he's not wrong. The UK events here are so good. 
And I can say that as an American, so I'm not even like biased in that way. I totally <laughs> got native, by the way. LVO, I was like rooting for the Brits to take it. Like I'm, I, you know, I've, I've chatted a bunch with David Gaylord now. You know, I'm, I'm proud to call him a friend. And I was like, come on, David, go lock that thing in. Come on, Vic. And I was like, what happened to me? I don't even speak correctly to be rid of these people. Um, but it's really great. Um, Sistrack's doing well. Those episodes have been a little slow recently, but it's only because my life has gotten hectic. We're still doing content. We're going to have an episode out after ITT this next weekend, which I'll talk about in a sec, about uh, some Modern Sister stuff. Um, but the other big news is, yeah, I, last August, well, shortly before then, I was invited to be Iceland's coach. So I lived in ICE for two years, 2017 to 2019, got a part of that community when it was still very, very nascent, like being good 40K players. And so I made a lot of friends there. Um, the first chance they got to WTC, they asked me to be the coach for the team because every team needs a coach. And I've got kind of the brain for that. And I knew a lot of people and a lot of thinking about 40K and stuff. And then three days before the event, I got asked to play because they had a drop. So like three people shifted armies so I could be on Sisters because you can't ask me to join a WTC <laughs> team three days before list submission and have me not be the Sisters player. Yeah. Um, so I did that, did well, ran pairings for Iceland during the process. So I got a lot of that kind of experience. Um, been heavily involved in the team since and actually super excited. Just last week, the team was officially picked and I did make the roster. Um, so I'll be going back this August, which is really cool. Again, running pairings. This time we'll also have a coach. We didn't have one because I was the coach and then I had to roll dice. So this year we'll actually have a coach that will be there. So that's going to be huge, a huge lift for the team. Um, but yeah, it's been pretty active. Um, I did well this last year. So just to be clear, I don't like bragging about myself. This is making me moderately uncomfortable. But in the show notes, Cliff literally said, if you're not honest or like, I will hold you to account. And he is a large man. And even though he's in another country, I'm still slightly intimidated. So I'll, I'll go ahead and finish this out, which I wouldn't normally do. He has a lot I of airline well, miles. He will he will show up in your show. I will find just, it. It is just free. to harass me. No, I mean, you'll just start coming to the UK events like you're supposed to, and you'll find me there. That's how you I know. It. Some, I mean, we have we've got a lot of friends in uh, in London specifically, so we have uh, thought about like, should we just move? Oh, right now, right now, the plan is I'm going to uh, London GT this year. So oh, you're going to LGT? Mm -hmm. Yeah, buddy. We should well, uh, like uh, find an Airbnb I'm going to or something. Hell yeah. I'm going to, uh, yeah, I definitely want to talk to you offline because uh, I looked at the area where the London GT is. And I was like, it's, uh, you you it's, will uh, almost certainly make a mistake. A when they say it's if you in don't London, get help on where to stay. Is doing a lot of heavy lifting. No, no, it's like an hour and a half north of central London. It is not in London. No. <laughs> uh, it's, it's in London, like Philly is in New York. <laughs> when you're talking about distances, yeah. It's like people um, that are like, oh, yeah, I'm from New York City. And you're like, really, where from? They're like, Poughkeepsie. And you're like, that's not, that's not in the city. Why <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Aside, uh, the Jersey, I, I grew up in New Jersey, very proud of New Jersey. I was always angry at the Jersey Shore because almost the entire cast was from the state of New York. <laughs> and like one of the most egregious characters, Snooki, was from Poughkeepsie. She's like she wasn't even from... close to Jersey. Like, how are you claiming this? Anyway, oh. irrelevant aside. The Statue of Liberty is in the state of New Jersey as well. Irrelevant aside, uh, the last cool thing that happened to me is I've kind of like upped my game a fair bit in terms of like trying to play better. Uh, and the net result is I got eight best sisters player in the world uh, for like my faction and second in the UK, which I'm like actually really, really proud of. Um, that's Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's, so that's been a pretty that's good exactly, outcome. 
That's exactly what we want to hear. Because like I said, you're uh, you're involved with, with content creation. You're involved with WTC. I've, I've seen how, how busy that can be. But you've also taken time to work on yourself and improve at the game. Um, all while having like a job, family, kids, all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. So that's that's kind of like the mission of this show. Like anyone can go out there, anyone can go out there and be like, oh, well, I'm just going to go two and three. Or I'm going to go three and three because I'm a dad, because I have a wife, kids. And anyone else that does more of that is just someone who has infinite time and they're like a loser, blah, 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 blah. No, anyone can, you can be a dad and parent, uh, mom, any of that stuff and go out there and win events. It's hard. And, but the thing is most likely winning an event also involves a little bit of luck, you know, going, and that's the message of the show. Going X and one is not a mark of failure. That's a mark of accomplishment. If you go to enough events and you go consistently go X and one at all of them, you will eventually win events. You will win. And you're also, you're also probably a good caliber player. So we're maybe definitely not them, supers. Uh, maybe not GTs. supers. Maybe not supers. Yeah. GTs, but like one step at a, one step at a time, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. but uh, there's always that next rung of the ladder that you're always trying to climb, you know? Um, I always tell people like when, when people are just endlessly tinkering with lists or when they're endlessly bullshitting on discord, I'm like, Hey man, get out there, find like the biggest shark in your area and like get games into them. And once you start, stop losing constantly, like find the next biggest shark and just keep working and climbing that ladder. Uh, you gotta just play games, man. But uh, that's a good transition point to the show. Mitch, uh, talk to us about Arcs and Omens. Talk to us about Sisters. And if you want to weave in some of your uh, your journey and how you've gotten uh, kind of improved yourself in your game, you weave that in there too. I I feel like these are very different because Arcs and Omens is such is still fairly quite new. I, I I do not know what the heck is happening. Like I feel like the next Sister Act episode, I would just castigate the faithful for not delivering on the win rate. Like we went from well, like a 51 to 53 pending league to like a 45% win rate last I checked on, on Cliff's dashboard. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I mean, did not I could, think that would happen. To be fair, I, I mean, I have not, um, I haven't pulled, I haven't put my sisters on the table since uh, Nachman, but sisters have never really been an army that like can reach out and touch your opponent's deployment zone turn one with guns or melee. Um we're yeah. seeing these lists that are like kind of bringing the hunters of these Helverins, which I think is a very strong archetype right now. Um, but beyond that, you know, like you have like maybe a cascader which has some poke damage, but you're really using that to just shoot like chaff off objectives. Because if you try to pull it out there and turn one and put some real shots down range, you'll ju- you'll just lose that asset because most yeah. of in the game are sh- are shooting harder. So I think that's well, part of it because Arcs of Omen does feel a little bit kind of in my opinion a little bit coin flippy because you have world eaters who will coin flip into your deployment turn one you have orcs who will coin flip in your deployment turn two so turn one if you really messed up and then you have uh, a bunch of fast guns and i feel like that's most of the strong armies right now you know and sisters mean, don't really lean into that play style that well I'm not scared of guns that sit in the back of their objective because I just hide behind a wall and control space. It's the guns which can come kill me. And I was thinking with planes going away, there were no more mm-hmm. guns that come kill me. But like, <laughs> that seems to not be true. <laughs> and then guard yeah. was like, well, just kidding. That... I have 165 points and you will not believe what it's about to do to you. So... <laughs> the, the new Russes are fast, man, because they move they move 12 and they don't have to grinding advance anymore. So they can get yeah, angles. Yeah pretty pretty aggressively and now marines are basically just running like all their almost all their speeders are good um so 
And then honestly, I did the, my hot take. I think uh, I think there's actually quite a lot of planes that are still good. It's yep. just people are just kind of still feeling the burn of the of the nerf and the fact that like the bombers aren't as good anymore. And I think people haven't discovered how good planes are still. If you didn't have a way to, um, because a lot of the strongest planes, if they lost the roll off, they would go into reserves for free, so nothing was risked. Yeah. And if yeah. and if you were like if you were someone like uh, like a, if you were running like harpies or if you were running like was bombs or something like that, you there was always like a decision point where you're like, okay, well, I'm afraid of my opponent shooting. I'm gonna hedge my bets. I'm gonna spend some CP. And now I'm down, and then I'm gonna put my planes in reserve. And then maybe you go first anyways, and you're like, great. Now I, now I don't have this asset, and I paid CP to be down on guns. Whereas now, everyone has to start their planes in reserves. So relatively that's a buff for you and then you don't have to spend cp for it so that's a buff yep. again for you if you have a good plane especially for orcs because they want those planes are going to come in and it's going to be timed with their power spike of when they call log so now the planes are coming in when the rest of the army is coming online and they have a five up in bone i gotta um, tell so you i think as a lifetime sisters player i, I don't strong. know how planes work <laughs> i just know how they shoot me <laughs> i don't know i've never picked up a plane and moved it and roll dice in anger at my opponent. You're, you're, not, you're not missing much. It's one of those things where, like, it sounds like it'd be fun. Like, you, you're like, oh, I'm going to be drunk on power. And then I've, uh, two years ago, I went to Crucible with 12 orc buggies and four planes. And I literally had a unit of grots and a Big Mac. And that was my list. And it was, it was kind of funny, but, um, it wasn't as fun as it sounds like. Uh, so I don't, I don't think planes are that much, that much fun. As someone who's abused them, they're not even that much fun. So you asked about what AOO meta looks like for sisters. I have two takes on this. Uh, I think Bloody Rose is the thing that people are still doing. And I, I would guess the win rate drop is partly because a lot of really good players ditch sisters to go elsewhere, which which happens. Yep. Like there's almost like an accelerating effect, right? I mean, Cliff, you've talked about this. When the good players abandon a faction, it crumples the win rate. Um, what I think is even more interesting for me is that it also uh, reduces the pace of innovation. So when there's like... If you look at, right, you go to Warhammer Competitive on Reddit, for example, which is like a favorite thing you can pick on, like on a lot of like discords. And like <laughs> a lot of the wisdom is regurgitated, right? It's it's actually conventional wisdom, which is usually ossified and largely out of date by the time it's become repeated by enough people. And there's- That's probably the best way look, I've ever seen it put. Yeah. And, and like, if you look at who's actually innovating in a faction, right? who's doing, who's performing, you probably look at, let's say you're in the UK, look at UKTC, right? They're probably all going to the big events who are performing. Number of good sisters players at that event is going to be less than 10, right? Like ones who are going to like credible four and one threats. It might be five. So like how many actual human beings are innovating and like trying new things and learning what works and like testing it into high level players playing competitive lists rather than like, oh, I just chumped my RTT. This is an amazing list. So like there's not that many humans actually doing it which I feel like is hurting us a lot, actually maybe even more than just the wall win rate damage. But here's where I think we could take sisters potentially. I think there's two areas. One I'm exploring now and one I'm not. The one I'm not exploring is stick with Bloody Rose. I think if you want to do a good Bloody Roses right now, you stop with all these repension nonsense because guard indirect just pick them up. And if you want to have a chance, you're just not going to do that. And there's a lot of fast guns who just pick them up too quickly. Reserves are nice, but like it's not a, a sell. I think you run three Seraphim and three Zephyrm units because our secondaries got worse. We're not just going to win on secondaries and time primary anymore. We have to make a play on primary. 
Like we have to actually kind of win primary and kind of win secondary to win a game because we don't just free 40 points. It's like a free 35 now for sisters, which means you need tons of little crap units to run around and play the board and stuff like that. So I'd be running six Andrew units and then like maybe two, Ser two repension, like one Saxon unit, a rhino, something like that. That's where I'd take bloody rose. I'm not doing that though. That's experimental. People should test it out. Other people are trying Seraphim and they're really, really good. Um, but my list, which my favorite list last year, was running 30 Zacharsons as Valorous Heart back when Valorous Heart gave them an AP reduction. Of course, they took it away when they gave everyone armor contempt, but they didn't give armor contempt to my lovely shield ladies. So Saxons got just as durable as a battle sister, which was a crime. Uh, now they're like stupid again. If you want to shoot a Sacrosan in cover with AP2 weapons, I am taking a two up save because I just don't even care. Uh, and that is a special feeling. So what, what I'm playing with right now is 30 Valor's Heart Sacrosans, two by 10, big fat retribute units. Like good luck killing all the chaff before you get to the juicy bits when there's also 30 Sacrosans in front of them about to charge you. And then the rest is just whatever guns I can find. Helverins, Vol, whatever else I can stack behind it. And I think that list has play because it can contest the primary for a turn or two before you kill all the sacks and they'll die, but they'll die slow. And I'll have the guns to just like keep sieging you behind that line. And I can grind out like kind of a tight win. Now I'm also thinking teams, like you say, Tim, I'm thinking very much in a team scenario. So losing by five doesn't bother me at all because what I want to do is lose by five to iron hands on WTC and hold to a 10, 10 and do an incredible outcome for my team. And I feel like this list can do it. First ever test game into Jukit, who's one of the best players in Team Iceland. I lost by eight points, and I YOLO shoved 30 Sacrosins, advanced them into midboard just to see how fast they would die. Like, I think there's something there. It's just not quite refined. So that's where I kind of see Sisters going if you want to take it. And, you know, please come help. Come innovate with me. <laughs> there's not enough of us anymore. No, I, I, li I like that. Uh, that first, I mean, that first list, I was like, man, I was like, it sounds definitely like 4-1 type territory. The one thing I would disagree on is I'd say even though... Um, even though you they they do get chewed absolutely chewed up by guard, um, the repentia. I mean, there are. I do want to be able to the ability to crack bricks, you know, because like that warden list is out there. Um, so oh, I'm not saying don't ideally, take them. Saying don't take three of them and have that be your primary game plan. That's all. I, yeah. I think, no, I think I agree with that because I think um, even though even though uh, repentia can't advance charge even though they can't get like the buffs from repentia superior when they're in a rhino they're only in a rhino in the guard matchup against like yep. uh custodies they'd be on the table and they would get every single buff in the world you know and i'd put them into into custodies but then you also have to kind of put you need multiple units that can kind of go into them to kind of like make sure that you are kind of chipping them down chipping them down chipping them down because if you just only have one unit then it kind of becomes a staring contest until a point where you have to send your big tank buster unit into the warden brick, and then they hit you with the turnoff rerolls. You know, Emperor's Custodes is also a holy terror into Bloody Rose. Like the whole reason Bloody Rose died in like the mid half of twenty two is because Custodes could just turn off rerolls whenever they wanted. And guess what? <laughs> they can yeah. do that again. They can do. They can definitely do it again. Um, I played that matchup. You can. You can outplay it, but there's um, there's a lot of things I think a lot of people don't think about. They're just kind of like, oh, I have unit that rerolls. They have unit that turns off rerolls. I lose. Where really a lot of it is um, about what order you hit them with their units, and about also kind of just literally kind of nickel and diming uh, their units and their CP until it gets to the point where they just can't really keep up with the with the uh, attrition 
And that's when you actually go for like the kind of like the knockout punch. Um, world this sounds too complicated. Thing. I'm running 30 sacristans instead, and I'm going to hit you on twos and wound and that's and that, but that's, no that's what I'm saying. Like that's I like that list better because that when you were describing that list, that sounded like a defender type type of list. Because that first list, the Bloody Rose list, there's a lot of skill expression in there, but there's so much room for it to just go terribly, terribly, terribly wrong. Um, and that's always kind of the issue when you're running like a a slow, not durable melee army. It's like there's not <laughs> much room. There's not much room for error because yeah. you're. It's very rare for you to be the one that's that's getting the first touch on the other guy. So a lot of times they're dictating like where the fights are usually happening. Um, it's like orcs, dark Eldar, a lot of those armies, like they can measure, they can just pre-measure your threat range, be one inch outside of it, and then push past your front line and start hitting like your stuff that's staging for like wave two and wave three. Um, oh, I, I mean, really like that. I like that 30 sacristans list. Uh, I think 30 sacristans, um, Valor's Heart with the uh, Hunters, three Hunters Beast Helverns. That sounds like a, a great core of a, a great defender list. That's probably where I would go if I was trying to take sisters to an event right now. Kelsey, uh, I'm going to call attention to Kelsey in uh, YouTube chat who brought up this is in reference to the planes, but he said, like, plus, when I hear one person on a podcast say planes are bad, they want to even consider it. Mitch, I think that you're like, you're like, oh, wait, instead of going with the conventional wisdom of Bloody Rose being the best, I'm going to look at what is actually happening in the meta what I need to prepare for and look in my codex and see what do I have that can deal with the threats that are most prevalent right now that gives you the biggest ability to like perform, right? And that in this case means like, oh, I'm gonna take sacrosins, which like have not really been a prevalent list choice for sisters on that for a long yeah. time. Yeah. Um, and that's, I don't know, that's the sort of like, this gets at your like how many people are playing a faction, how many people are truly innovating. So many yeah. wacky ideas seem ridiculous until someone goes and wins an event with like a wacky idea list. And then it's like, oh, clearly that was good the whole time. And you're like, okay, yeah. Was it more? How many times does that story really? happen, right? Yeah. Remember when Blight Lords were trash until someone won with 30 Blight Lords and then they were obviously great, like a week Obviously. Later. Yeah. We all we all knew it. Yeah. Uh, Paint Celestine, yeah, I have looked at uh, Wade into the Faux Paragons. They are really good when they connect, but unfortunately they have to walk around walls and get shot. Um, it's not really where you want to be. That's the that's the I, biggest issue that like, you have to solve is with, with Sisters, generally, your damage, you're, you're flush for options to do damage. Uh, it's always been uh, delivery and surviving the crackback um, is generally the thing. And you, you have to think usually about three turns ahead with Sisters, because most of your stuff is so slow. Slow. That's even worse. I have no Arpentia. I have no Zephyrim. I'm just going to be going you, places slowly. Uh, looks like we lost Cliff. Oh, no, he's back. You have, to, you have to stage. Now, most armies, you're pushing out with one or two units, applying pressure, and then you're staging your second unit. Um, but then you're also taking plans to like make you know uh, plans for when your second wave gets shot or you know assaulted or pushed into. Well, sisters, you're generally so slow that you have to stage your you have to stage your second and your third wave. While on top of that, if you're trying to hold objectives, you have to like layer uh, usually like a transport or a vehicle with units and then a character to make sure you don't just get like blown off a uh, a primary objective. Um, if to, to, I think if uh, it's for you, Tim. Sorry, go on. Uh, oh, I was just going to say the nund the nundums if they're if they're infantry, I would love it. But uh, yeah. I mean, they're not. Uh, two other quick hits. I'm not a fan of the the Hunters of Beast Helverins. I know they're very conventionally the obvious choice to take because hitting better is good. 
I got to tell you, though, I've been trying Mysterious Guardian. I've had some friends try Mysterious Guardian. Very strong I like reviews. Those. I do like those. Because uh, you know what? If you know what doesn't die to a turn one drop pod? Helverns that aren't on the board yet. Not on the table. That yeah. is true. Yeah. Uh, talk and to on my terrain, the, uh... UKTC, there's some boards where like they're going to get shot and there's literally nothing you can do about it. You don't have a free game sure. move. You can't screen that out. It's the only way. For those of us so. who don't know, uh, tell us what uh, Mysterious Gardens do. Uh, basically, if your strategic reserves a unit, it can come in one turn earlier than it normally would. Now, strategic reserves is free now, obviously. And the other cool thing is, of course, that means you can come in turn one almost anywhere. So not only does it mean you're not getting shot. So like if you go... If you go first, they stay off the board. If you gave second, they can still come in and do damage when your opponent pushes out. Uh, and also, it gives you a chance to move out and screen against things like drop pods. Also, I got to tell you, 60-inch guns coming in from out flank is a nightmare to try to to try to try get not to hide from the angles on. Like, it is very hard to not get shot by a Helverin when it comes in on the board. Uh, and, I, and I just need them to force my opponent to commit to objectives on their backfield and not disrespect me by putting five idiots on and saying bloody rose doesn't shoot me so i'm gonna hold this all game long without you committing a unit of zephyr um, no i like huge. that that uh strong flashbacks to uh early eighth edition where um before they implemented the uh faq to deep striking and you used to be able to show up in your own deployment zone turn one if you uh deep struck so it was pretty common back when we were doing like, yep, you know, eight, eight commanders, five fly rants, you know, spite spam, malefic <laughs> lords, all that kind of stuff. It wasn't uncommon to just like reserve half your stuff. And if you went, if you went second, there was like nothing to shoot at. If you went first, like everything showed up, and you just gunlined the crap out of your opponent. I do. You think want one more tiny piece of hot tech? One more tiny piece it. of hot tech. Love it. Yes. This boy. Can you see this boy? This boy. Uh, Stop it's not it. zooming properly. Oh, it's a joke. the Jimmy I love it. I, I bought and painted it for ITT this weekend. He is a 20-point character idiot who can screen and get lookout, sir, and has a gun which can one-shot a custodian if he gets lucky. <laughs> that gun and, is like a little, it's like a little ring laser. Yeah, it's just it's just his rings. And my sisters all have their gun casings in gold because like they revere their weapons and treat them as sacred. So all the gold icons in the gun casings are, are oh sorry, all the icons in the gun casings are gold because that's the most sacred color in my scheme. So I painted the monkey's finger rings gold because that's his guns, but now he just looks like a mobster. And I'm very okay. With that. <laughs> no, I, I like that. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah, that gun is like strangely like really it was like like one shot. Strength eight, strength eight, three AP three. three, flat three damage, and yeah, will either reroll yeah. hits, wounds, or both <laughs> randomly. Love it. <laughs> yeah, because you roll a D three, and it's like a you consult a table. So like, yeah, randomly you just hit like a five or six, and now you're rerolling the hit and wound roll. Oh, no, and cute. you can I say like monkey it. blast every time you trigger a shooting <laughs> activation. Which... Now you could also take a ten point acolyte, which is also a character with lookout sword protection. It does exactly the same thing defensively. That's not, but that's it is not neither a monkey nor does it have a monkey blaster. So no, I like the monkey blaster. The monkey blaster yeah. is good. Ten point, ten point tax for monkey blaster is well worth it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, randomly you just you just randomly just blast something off the table turn four, and then you just you just feel you just are then chasing that dopamine rush for the rest of the year. <laughs> All right, well, uh, Cliff. What else do we got on the? Uh, what else do we got on the agenda? Uh, well, I've got well one quick thing just for the. Uh, if there happen to be any Imperial Knights listeners out there, if you want to run a Castellan badly and you shouldn't, because it's bad. But if you do, 
uh, Mysterious Garden Castellan and a Freeblade Lance is probably your best bet because it's going to show up and shoot whatever you want it to. Uh, you just have to hope that you roll a normal number of shots and not three, like I often do. Isn't um, this dead hammer? Shouldn't you play the most gorgeous model in 40k just because you love it? That's my personal belief, but dude, my I'm a, I'm kind of the opposite of Cliff, where Cliff likes to uh oh is I'm trying to think of a good word. He he lives his own truth, whereas I kind of <laughs> I basically am a um a big fan of what we call locally and it's, it's somehow spread um to the to the community or to the online community. And I think a, a couple of people have tried to take credit for it, but no, it started down here in South Florida. Uh we call it Ungabunga Hammer. And basically we we build lists down here that are uh, very much focused on power and redundancy and reliability and simple game plans. Because uh, the idea is like, you know, and when Anthony kind of burst on the scene and he was telling everyone about how like he plays 40K, we're like, oh, it's perfect. That's what we've been doing down here for years. It's just no jank, no missing out a unit, passive gameplay, and then I win by two points at the end of the game. No, like, no teching for every single possible like permutation of every single possible faction that you could possibly run into. And you're going to create a problem solve every single round in a five round game and a five round event, you know, like it's just literally just brute force power redundancy. And you're focusing on good execution and making less mistakes than the other guy, because down here where the mortals live, um, when you're not competing for a, uh, the top table at a super major, it's really going to come down to who brought the stronger list and who made less mistakes is like this is a tell me your ex-military without telling me your ex-military comment <laughs> it is what it is i'm kind of like if if something's good i will take two or three of it you know because like what if, if it's really good but it gets shot off the board because i went second then it's kind of like more of them yeah exactly you know um if i misplay but I, and I lose a crucial unit, but I took two or three of them, I can recover from that. But if my entire game plan revolves around that unit and then I freak to screen out like, you know, four cubic inches, you know, on like mid board and like some erratic errors walk on and get an angle on my key unit or something like that. And then I'm like, okay, well, I guess the game ends now, you know, like that's, that's it. That's your event. You're like, your, your run is over, you know, but if you focus on, you know, like I said, in my opinion, I'm very, I think that just being aggressive and um, controlled aggression and redundancy and speed and just executing a good game plan, that's going to win you a lot of games. You know, if you push to the center and then you start pushing into your opponent, one, most most time when you do that to most people, like they'll blink and then the game is over for them, yeah. you know, and then that one guy who doesn't blink, he'll push back and now you have a game. But you're mid-board pushing into him, you're getting 12s and 8s, and he's pushing into you, and he's getting fours and he's getting eights and fours and maybe zeros if uh if he's not lucky, you know. I um I, I wanna, that's, that's I, it's it's always worked for me. I want to ask a hostess question, so I apologize for doing so. You said your run is over, and I think that's a really interesting comment just to say. Because when I go to these super majors, now granted, I go to an RTT. Sure, I want to make a run and try to win it. Why not? It's like me versus 20 other random people. Sure, I got a crack at it. When I go to these super majors, I don't think in terms of having a run. Like, I don't actually expect to win. Like, my my upper limit as a person, like as a player that I will ever get to, I think is occasional 5-0. and 0. 
like consistent four and one. I think I'm consistent four and one right now. I did it three, the last four super majors. Great. Check the box. But occasional five and oh is my peak. And I, I just want to ask this question because I'm really curious what your take on this is. I actually do think as a person with a career and a job and kids and all this other stuff, I don't think I can actually go past that. I think there is a limit where like I have to be able to play you know, like five games a week, every week on TTS against top tier talent to stay on top of the bed and have a shot at like actually winning a super major level event. And I think I actually do have a cap. And I like what I've realized in the past year is like, I've played against a few of these guys, you know, I get to my three and oh, my four and oh, and I get put back in my place. I think I just know that I'm never going to get there. And I think part of my journey has been realizing that's okay. That's like my truth. And I have a ceiling, but I can still try to do my best. It doesn't disappoint me. Like, it doesn't prevent me from striving, but I know I'm not going to hit the very top. I'm never going to be a David Gaylord. I'm curious, like, if you guys have a similar mentality on that or a different one. No, entirely. I feel the same way. And uh, I also don't want it to get misconstrued before, like, we pick this up and run with it. When I say, like, your run is over, I meant, like, as far as, like, an undefeated run. It's not like you're just packing it up, dropping from the event and going home. Like, like you're still yeah. you're still playing, you know. Um, it's just kind of always like, hey, you know, streak is broken, you know. And if you were yeah. in contention, like, now you're not. Maybe now you're playing for a podium or something like that. Um, yeah. See, again, I, I don't think I can even, I like, agree I think the you. odds of me podiuming a top three in a 400-player event is also un possible but unlikely. So this is so this is what I was just about to hit, about to address. Um, so we're, we're burying the lead a little bit. Um, but, yeah, oh. I, I do agree. No, that's fine. I, I do agree with you. Um, not all events are created equal. Um, sometimes you go to London G. <laughs> Sometimes you go to London GT. Sometimes you just go to like a 35 person banger in your backyard. Um, yeah. Winning a, winning a, not to say, no, winning a GT, in my opinion, is still, you know, a big deal. Um, like, yeah. most, a lot of people, like 99, 90% of the people that play the game, like, are like, are just happy to win RTT, you know? So, like, that's usually like the next, the next kind of step is like, go to one consistently at RTT, start winning your RTTs go to the next town over and like win one of their RTTs, you know, like kind of like just go know, beat up the neighbors. <laughs> oh, we do that all the time. Like we'll, we'll go up to like Palm beach or Orlando or something like that. Like we'll go like with like 10 of us and we'll just like invade like Tuscan Raiders or something like that. It's awesome. Um, you know, but like go to the town over, win their events, that kind of stuff. And then it's like, we'll consistently go for one GT. And then, then you kind of like break through and you get your first GT win. And then that's kind of like, uh, I don't want to say you never really made it. You're always kind of like, you know, you can't really sit on your laurels because the community is improving, which is a point I'm going to touch on here in about a minute or two. Um, oh my God, it really But is. for a lot of people, yeah. But for a lot of people, like that's kind of when like, that's kind of like when you truly become like, a, like this is going to sound che super cheesy, but I think once you get to a level where you're consistently 4-1, you break through and you get your first 5-0, your first win, that's where you truly start to become like a student of the game. Um, one of the things that, uh, Nick Nadavali told me, um, I'm lucky enough to call him a friend and we we're, we we're just kind of in a discussion over beers. And, um, I kind of asked him, I was like, Hey man, what do you think is like the biggest thing for like someone trying to break through? And he's like, honestly, he's like, when you're pushing your pieces around the board, um, we talk about board state a lot, but when you push your units forward versus when you push your units back versus like when you're running artillery versus when you're not versus when you have a flyer when you're not he's like pay attention to how people mentally react to like where your units are and to what units you're bringing some units will cause your opponents to play more 
open and aggressive. Some units cause them to play more closed and conservative. And regardless of the play style, they generally kind of always follow these trends. So knowing how to like push a unit forward on a flank to cause people to like pull off that flank, which can then open up something else, you know? Sure. And when that's kind of when I like it, and it took me a while to actually like put that into practice. Like once I knew that concept existed, that's when I started practicing and kind of playing around with it. And I, when I was playing my practice games, I would focus on moving units deliberately and how my opponents were mentally reacting with the movements of their models. And once I started seeing those patterns, the game changed completely for me. And it's one of those things that's really hard to describe until like you kind of like just get there yourself. Like once you know that concept is out there, it's a really, really, really powerful thing. Um, but anyhow, to bring it back, I noticed that that, not this last LVO because I didn't go, uh, because apparently it sucked. I also didn't have the budget for it, but it just sounds, it sounds like I didn't miss out. Um, but the previous year when I went, the overall skill of the field felt so much more difficult than when I went back in 2020. Um, yeah. Everyone just felt better. And I'm noticing it with the online discourse. I'm noticing it with the, with the concepts, with the coaching that's out there, with like, you know, people like creating content, with questions are being asked, Discord, with the Discord side of Discord. The community is sharing ideas. Higher level concepts are being discovered and refined and shared. And a lot of these concepts that have kind of always been there in 40K, but not really um, like codified or explained very well. There's just kind of been like a loose kind of thing that's been there. Now actually yeah. have like terms that are commonly used by multiple people in multiple communities. And like, you can really, really, really drill down in it. And you're starting to see where just the average player is better. So yeah, I think if you are... If you are a parent or if you can only get like, you know, two, you know, two games used to put two games a week used to put you in like the top 1% like of, of player skill usually three yeah. years ago. Now I think it barely keeps you in the top 5%, you know, and then I know that, I know that doesn't sound ITT like a big team who's a, who's an eager beaver, young guy, no kids, early twenties, mm -hmm. really, really cool uh, named Tom Brown really smart student of the game he made team scotland this year uh we became we bonded over my repentance beating the crap out of his his blood angels at, at uh lgt but uh he told me he played has played so far 35 games. he's like hold on i'm like kind of bored of arcs i'm like really like bored already like yeah he's like i played 35 games since it came out i'm like excuse me it's like that's an average of like more than a game every two days and I'm like, yeah, I'd be bored too if I spent every other night for the last two months playing Warhammer. I have know, played, I have played GTS. eight games. I played eight games since the last episode, and I was feeling like proud of myself. I'm like, man, I am crushing it. Um, I mean, even yeah, that's a lot. Four games, uh, a like a week average. That is a yeah. ton. Well, like I said, I I have a GT coming up this yeah. Saturday, and I yeah. it's hard. It's getting harder and harder for me to go to events. So usually, I try to keep like a game or two a week, uh, and then obviously, I'm. I'm prospecting for Team America. I'm not really expecting to start, but we'll see what happens. Um, but that kind of puts me on the on the hook for at least a, one TTS game a week against uh, high sure. caliber players. Um, sure. But yeah, now it's now that it's um, and you might do the same thing. Like you're, I. It's really hard for me to push past um, two games a week, and that even that is assuming that I don't have like overtime or I'm not. I don't need to hobby something or like 
I know we don't have a, my wife and I don't have like a date night that week or there's no like family yeah. emergency. So that's where we start coming into uh, if my game time is more limited, me personally, I don't know what you do. Uh, that's when I start going into like re-rack sessions or I will um, maybe be a little more selective about who I play that week um, because like we have, luckily we have a thriving community down here um, and I do want to be able to play everyone and, and see like a multitude of play styles list like that. But I know that there's like, you know, there's a handful, there's probably about like four or five people who will, no kidding, like they will give me like, you know, the fight of my life in any, any time I play a game with them, no matter what I bring, you know? And so then what? if I only have time, like for like one or two games a week, that's going to be like the person I seek out. I mean, for all the people who may be listening, who think even one or two games a week is a wild concept. And I think that would probably be the majority of people who even play competitive events, like are not including me a, game a week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, was, I, mean, I have a different take on this. So you can keep going. Mitch. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I average a game a week. Uh, and here's how it goes. I have a standing agreement with my wife. She knows that if I don't get my my Warhammer time in, I go insane. Uh, and I'm a much more tolerable human. <laughs> I'm more even keel when I get that. Like I need to express, like I have my identity as, a, as someone at the job and I have my identity as a dad and I'm deeply proud of those. But I also had an identity before those things. And like Warhammer is how I express that other important aspect of myself. She knows this. She has the same thing. We take care of each other this way, but like, this is how I express that part of my identity. She knows I need it to be a healthy, well-balanced human. And it's Monday night. <laughs> like it's Monday night. That's the agreement. And either I go to the club, my local game club, and I play, you know, one of my buddies on Monday night, or I find a TTS match. And, you know, I'd rather roll dice in person, but I get to play a higher average caliber player on TTS because I can pre-plan it. And then it's a WTC player instead of like guy at Oxford. But like I get my consistent game a week. I go to a GT every other month. That's my agreement as well. Every other month I get to go to one super major. So I bolt on five extra games for that. Maybe I find a few TTS games along the way, but like, I'm not going to get an average of two games a week on like a consistent multi-month basis. That's just never going to happen. My life won't allow it. Yeah, it's hard. And, the, yeah. and the, also the point I'm, the point I'm trying to make is that uh, two games a week also, it, it means less than it did a couple years ago is the real main, the main point that I'm trying to drive home. Um, the community is just, they're getting better. Now, luckily um, as folks who have less and less time, you know, more and more out commitments outside the game, you can kind of take advantage of that. You can kind of harvest it. Uh, these, these young bloods that are going out and getting reps and getting games, stuff like that. Like, don't be too proud just to crib their notes. If they want to go out there and try like, you know, 10 games and change their list, like the last hundred points of their list for every single one of those re-racks, like ask them, be like, so what do you think? You know, cause I don't have time to play 10 games. So just tell me what you thought by the end of it. Uh, I've been a lot of the art of war guys. Um, we were all teammates together on Brohammer, and they paired up with Nick and, and launched art of war. And especially during the pandemic, I had nothing, I had nothing better to do. My kid was a newborn. I had nothing better to do, but watch them play stream games. I don't have time to play, watch and play stream games now. So you know what I do? No. I look in the beginning for like when, what the lists are. I'm like, okay, is this something I'm interested in? Or is this something that I think might be a representative game of a faction I'll pair into? Cool. I will then fast forward all the way to the end. And you can kind of tell because one of the players will be looking like this. And I'm like, okay, cool. The game's over. And I'll fast forward <laughs> there and I'll press play. And they'll basically talk through what they took away from that game. 
And if there's a key point, like board state or play or something like that, I'll go try to like maybe like go back and find it. You know, so I can watch it happen. And then I'll go yeah. back. But like that's that's honestly, I speed run their content now. I basically go to like the last five or ten minutes. I listen to them talk about like the big takeaways, maybe the units that performed, didn't perform, how they, they picked the wrong secondary, like blah, 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 how like their aggressive posture, defensive posture, that kind of stuff. And I'm like, cool, got it. And I just go on with my day because I don't really have time to watch them play for three and a half hours. But I, I do have time to watch them talk for 10 minutes. Yeah. Mitch, but, uh, I think so. I'm, I definitely fall into the bucket of like, I get a game a month, right? Yeah. Like, maybe two. Uh, and that's just due to like time constraints, other responsibilities, et cetera. Um, but I think alongside that comes, and we talked about this during the first episode, is this like set of management of expectations, right? Like yeah. I know I have in a previous life, I've been very good at a thing. And I also know that it took like, you know, 20 to 30 hours a week of doing that thing. Yeah. Every, like every week consistently for years to be like good at it. And I know that that's what people, other people are doing. So like, it would be either totally irrational or like incredibly arrogant to think that I can get my like one be smarter than them. Yeah. One local game in a month and, and like show up to a, show up to a major or GT or super major expect to like only lose one or two games. Uh, I think it's a good goal, you know, like a smaller GT, maybe I can like bring a good list that I have a lot of practice with a lot of practice with. Um, yeah. And lose one or two games and so long as my plan is simple and my list is straightforward right um and that i think that's like a reasonable expectation for people in my position where you're like you know strapped for time you love the hobby you engage it in other ways but you don't necessarily have the time to like get out and you know knock knock dice around for three to four hours or three to six hours a, uh, a day i'm also a snob about tts which i know is a self-inflicted limitation because i just can't i can't do it man it just feels weird to me but that again is like I know that that is like hurting my progress. So um, I'm I willing to you. Know that be like, it is what it is. Like, it's fine. I, I did TTS during lockdown and it was literally the only way that I could roll dice. I air quoted the hell out of that for people who are <laughs> listening to this without video. Uh, and then I did that dice it. roller it's, is rigged. That dice roller. Oh is my God. It, there are no, I mean, as much as my, is. as much as dice don't behave in ways you'd expect them to, my God, do those dice rolls sometimes like, whoop, 17 sixes out of 24 dice. You're like, come on, dice. Uh, no. last, last, last week, Jaime and I, uh, we were all deployed and we were, I don't even know if we made deployment. I think we were just rolling an attacker defender. We rolled the same result eight times. Cool. Before Unlikely. we were finally able to figure out who was attacker defender. Definitely. Uh, so that's I, I, that is I came six to the eight. Is that right? That seems unlikely. <laughs> I came. I'm t it happened. You can ask him. You can ask him. It happened. Uh, I came over to his side of the table, deleted all the dice, spawned a new die, and then we did it. And then we finally were able to move on. But That's, it was we were like, okay, it's gonna be that kind of game. But but Cliff, I unfortunately like um, one of the interesting things that's happened to me is now that I have this team identity on Team Iceland, I have like right. this deep-seated desire to do well with them and it's weird because the expectation is no longer on me to perform it's on me to perform for my friends yeah. right which is yeah. way more motivating and there's way too many people who are wtc players and talk how great it is i, I refuse to do that it's a horrible trope on too many shows but like uh <laughs> and yet put me back on tts <laughs> like i am i am like you know gouging my eyeballs out on purpose because like i Again, if the choice is rep against a friend in my local club, which is awesome, and I love those games, they're more fun for me. 
or get a rep against like a team Poland player who's one of the right. top five in the world at GSC, and I need to get reps in GSC, that is a better use of my limited game. time, right? Yeah. yeah. I'm getting yeah. one game a week. How much do I need it to count for my ambitions, right? Yeah. So I think the yeah. I think the um uh, the concept of the trend we're kind of circling around here without actually saying aloud is basically a return on your investment. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, with like how you play the game, uh, with who you're playing, what you're trying to do, um, uh, because knowing, staying in touch with the meta, knowing what's out there, knowing what's strong, looking at the data and everything like that, that can prepare you. Um, but it's, it's like reading a bunch of like bodybuilding magazines, taking a bunch of supplements, but you never actually step foot in a gym. You're just that guy <laughs> who just drinks protein shakes all day, and everyone's like, uh, "You're gonna, gonna pick something else," you know? Like, you got there is you, not you a gotta, human being alive who will win their first game into a world class GSC player. There is not a human being alive no. who can do it. No. You have to get riggedy wrecked at least three times to stand remotely a chance <clears throat> of not losing big. It's just a fact, right? gonna happen yeah. and like gsc and, and harlequins have always struck me as kind of those armies where it's just kind of like you know there's 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 long there's long time uh, i don't know how the saying goes there's there's bad gsc players and there's long time gsc players same thing with harlequins it's just one of those armies where it's just like yeah. supposed to be like the ultimate skill expression army i know they had their moment with the with the void weavers and the four bindles and all that kind of stuff um but i do like that there's armies out there where it's just kind of like they're really frustrating to play to learn how to play and get reps with. But if you stick with it, you can just stunt on nerds for like the rest of your career. So <laughs> I'm glad I'm, those type of armies exist. I'm incredibly not for me, though. in my opinion here. Uh, so sorry, not sorry for this. But I, I do think also another way that you can optimize, like if you have a goal to be a better 40K player and you have limited time, th- there's this debate raging at the Art of War level. Like are faction specialists even a thing that makes sense? Or like, you know, can Jack Harpster play eight armies at eight supers and win all eight supers? Sure, he can. But like, here's what I can tell you. I have a lot of reps with sisters. Even if I'm playing one game week average plus the super major every the week, I have hundreds of reps with sisters if you if you go back a couple of years. And even across editions, even across rule sets, that stuff sticks with you. Like when I'm casually moving retributors, I always make sure that the ones with bolters are the ones in cover first because those are the ones I'm going to pull first. And I don't think about that. It just, I look down at the board and I go, yeah, I did it right. Like my models are just within six inches of all for the next command phase. Like it just happens because I've done it so many times. And so even if like, I don't think you can win a UKTC super major with 300 players without playing a top medalist and being a top player. I don't think it's possible, but I think you can consistently four one and maybe consistently five Oh with like a B tier or an A tier, not an S tier faction if you are just razor sharp at it and you get a little bit of luck mm-hmm. and like, because that's my goal. That's fine. Now WTC is a bit of a hiccup here because if sisters are truly bad, and I need to perform. I will switch factions. It is the only time I've ever said those words in my life. It is the only reason <laughs> I will ever say it. But unless like, unless you're in that small minority of people who feel very proud of themselves, uh, like sticking with the faction actually, I think is a great way to improve your skill and improve your confidence and like feel good about going to events performing. Cause like, you know, the sacrosance list is an, is like not seen very often, but I sure as heck got like 15 reps of it last summer when it was Tau Stodies. Like I'm not walking cold into that either, right? So something to think about for people who like to faction hop and maybe you're not getting where they want to get otherwise if they don't have the time. Kelsey, I have a rant about the two books that you just mentioned, but we'll save that for after the main show. Cool. 
Uh, Cliff, <laughs> do you have anything else you want to you want to roll into the uh, community questions? No, nah, I think we roll into the questions. I'm I'm with you, Mitch. I like that. Like it really just comes down to like practice matters. Like deliberate, intensive practice matters a lot. And people that play the same faction repeatedly get better at the game because their decision making fatigue drops with respect to the decisions they're making about their list. So it just you know. Yeah. I don't. It, I think it's difficult. It would be difficult to challenge the idea that practice with a single faction matters in any sort of rational sense. But in this context, oh, especially, sure. I think it's it's like a very a very like valuable tactical decision you could make, right? In the context of I want to be competitive and I don't have much time. Like, what do I do? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Because when you are having been on both sides of it, um, most of eighth, I was. I only played two factions for the entirety of eighth. And then I would say the first two years of ninth edition, I was only playing sisters. Um, I take that back. Eighth edition, the last six months of eighth edition, I I was playing sisters. Before that, I was playing Iron Hands for a few months. Before that, I played Tau for like two and a half years. Um, so I definitely I definitely think both sides have some truth to it for sure. Because every time you switch factions, you're you're kind of like taking a couple steps backwards. And maybe you're using the raw power level to kind of boost that up. But you do have to relearn the brand new rules and the brand new faction. Oh, my God. You've got some great questions in uh, in, in YouTube. I don't know if you have to go to the Patreon questions first or whatever. Do you guys hear me? Yeah, we quality know. trolling going yeah, on right got, now. We've got, we've got no, I think I, I think I disconnected there. Uh-oh. That's cool, Tim. We'll wait for you to get back on. All right. So we've got switches to the part of the show where you do the questions. We've got a bunch of questions from our Patreon uh, slash Discord, which you should you should join and check out. We've got a lot of positive, chaotic, weird but cool people in there, including myself. Um, Can I just say that McWerp, friend of my show, Sistrack 40K, and of StatCheck, asked how sad does Tim's new Sisters project make Mitch? I believe Tim is merging corn or like. <laughs> demon corn demons with the sisters to make it like a evil bloody rose list oh yeah. uh yeah i mean look man when i see what when i see that on the table i'm gonna have to just kill it <laughs> it's just gonna have to kill it That's they good. can crash against the seal shields of the sacrosans and then get poked by spears it's the only answer <laughs> oh man I think canonically one sister in the history of ever has turned to chaos. One. Really? Like in yeah. lore, only one. In lore. It's like Muriel Sabbath something. I feel like I should know this. Love it. Love the dedication to the game. All right, Tim should be in here soon. Let's add him. There we go. Back in, Tim. Uh, now we're going to jump to these questions. Let's do it. Oh, from Tim, Frank. Tim cut out, and it was the perfect time because I was making fun of his project. Couldn't have been better time. <laughs> Got him. Um, okay, I think I'm. Uh, I think I'm reconnected. Of course, right as I was ramping up, uh, my owner decides to take a dump on me. I know. Just, just like peaced out on you. All right, we're gonna jump to the questions from Frank from our Discord. What are some things you do during a game to refocus or calm yourself if you feel yourself start to get tilted also do you ever find that you put yourselves under unnecessary pressure during one-off games because of how limited your free time is Ooh, can i answer can i answer that yeah go for the it the first one 
Okay, so I'm going to answer on the premise that you're playing on a clock or you're playing at a club where time doesn't matter. Uh, and and in either of those situations, your time is your time to do with as you like. Strong recommend if you think you're in a bind, like you just got diced, the four-inch charge failed with a reroll, like whatever it is, like that thing just happened that is going to end your game or end your run or whatever. Walk away from the table. Tell your opponent, I'm going to use my time to think. You can stand there and think and look at the table or literally just walk away and come back. But just like take a hard moment of separation where you're no longer in the moment of what just happened, but you're like going to think about it more rationally. And that mental and physical separation from the game can actually like open your mind up to what the thing you need to do is next. Fun example, playing a tournament a long time ago, it's an Eldar player. And this is like eight. So I had like a night, like a single night in the middle of my sister's army. And I was getting crushed. Like my units were getting picked up. He was all over me, all this kind of stuff. And I and I was like, oh God, I'm going to lose. What do I do to not lose? I did exactly what I just described. And I came back and realized if I killed two units, he had no way to kill my Imperial Knight. And she could just sit there and win the game by herself if I killed those two <laughs> units, came back, picked up those two units with the remains of my army that wasn't that night. And then the night absolutely won the game in the back half of it. So like, the moment of clarity like just just take it it's your time you don't have to use it rolling dice moving models right my advice yep that's good stuff tim same question um mitch mitch nailed it i mean uh i mean how many times have we seen that guy that uh you know that guy or girl that they they're making the rolling saves and they're rolling a little bit cold and they finally just get frustrated and then they don't not as much anymore because we're all starting with like six CP or less, but like back when you would start with like 12 CP or whatever, you'd see that guy would just CP reroll like a random dice roll that didn't mean anything out of frustration. Um, take yourself out of the moment. Um, so you get to a point where you're, where you're lucid again. Um, Cause usually let me rewind this. Um, usually when you walk to the board and you see the mission, you see the table, you see your opponent's army and then you pick your secondaries. Sometimes you 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 miss you misjudge the matchup. You make a wrong choice. But generally, you're never more lucid than that moment in time. So if something happens where you just kind of tilt, do what Mitch said. Take yourself out of the the moment and put yourself mentally back to where you were at the start of the game. You know, and just basically just give yourself a hard reset. Um, I also find personally it helps to kind of like tell your opponent like basically what Mitch said or like maybe kind of step back from the table a little bit because sometimes um, I, I've seen it happen to a lot where like I'm trying to like talk to myself or I'm trying to like mentally do some math in my head like I'm rolling out activation in my head or I'm thinking about if I do this or that and my opponent will just kind of like awkwardly like try to jump in and say stuff because they hear me talking to myself or blah, blah, blah. I'm, like, I'm like hey man um like just give me some time to think you know and so if you kind of take a step if you tell your opponent and then you take a step or two away from the table or maybe even a couple paces back it they'll be much less likely to interrupt your your logical sequence your train of thought while you're talking to yourself um so that's generally what i would do yep yeah i'd have two two things uh which will sound sort of silly i think that's like avoid getting, avoid putting yourself in a situation where you're going to get tilted in the first place. Like this often happens as a result of dice outcomes that you were really relying on being at least average um, and then weren't. And you're like, wow, 
that cost me the game because I felt two six-inch charges with a reroll. Cool. Uh, it helps to know that things that happen 30% of only 30% of the time happen. Like that's a lot. That's a really high frequency yeah. of occurrence. And like, given the sheer number of times we roll dice over the course of a five round game of 40 K, like you will hit so many one in 10 incidences that like, it's just, it's just going to be part of the game. So I think it, it helps to get used to the notion that like the dice are intensely unreliable. <laughs> Uh, and if there's any way that you can like help reinforce that for yourself, uh, even at any time, uh, I think that helps to take the edge off when it really doesn't go your way in the moment. Uh, Especially part TTS. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> Vassal, on the other hand, like a true Grognard, uh, the Vassal dice engine is quite reliable. Uh, that's not true. I've seen seven ones in a row on screen in that thing too, and it's just horrendous. Um, the second thing is that, like, this was, this sounds silly, but also comes from, like, previous life as a person who was good at basketball. Like, playing people who are much better than you and losing consistently will teach you very quickly how to handle loss and uh, disappointment in a pretty short period of time. Um, and so I think doing that, doing that repeatedly against people that, are, that you know are likely better than you in the game and just having them sort of beat up on you a little bit is both going to be a learning experience for you from the perspective of, like, getting better at the game uh, through conversations with them and interactions with them at the table. But it's also going to get, you're going to get better at dealing with the emotional uh, disappointment of like losing and things not going your way uh, because you've either been outplayed or you've been, you know, sort of outdiced. Those things matter a lot. You could also have a kid that mellows you the hell out. Oh yeah. Puts <laughs> so many. Yeah. <laughs> there, oh but, no, I rolled, you know, like 15 ones. I got to tell you, this is nowhere near as bad as last night when that diaper exploded. We're good. <laughs> It's, yeah, yeah. There's so many things where I just don't care about, or at least I, I care, but I don't care enough to like really like emotionally react to anymore. I'm just like, mm. I know, I just like, <laughs> kid broke my arm, your word waves. I'm like, I don't like these are going forward now, and you're gonna deal with it. And I don't care if they get picked up because like I literally don't care if they get picked up in real life. Yeah, like, it's, it's over. Go for it. Um, stuff perspective helps the time. All right, next question. When <laughs> these are not in any particular order. Uh, from Grant H in the Discord, when will Cliff start a Flesh Terrier's army? I am literally probably going to start that in the next like month. Um, they're very cool. I just I just want one. It makes no sense. I don't think the rule is particularly good, but the idea of a Flesh Terror's army that's actually a proxy world leader's army is very appealing to me. Um, that's it. To yeah, people care, do Flesh Terror sounds like a world eater's war band. It does not sound like an imperial faction in the no, slightest. No. Um, I'm going to skip that because it's basically flesh terrors. But Gabriel said this cool. Uh, how do you old heads or old souls from Jake in the Discord uh, socialize at events when people stay up to the wee hours, but your old man bones want to be in bed and asleep by 10 p.m.? Ooh. Open. Uh, my, here's my take on this suck it up and go out. How often are you out? How often are you away from, from like the family where you actually have some independence? Suck it up. Go live it up a bit. Because I got to tell you, not only is it awesome, that's also where the real friendships are made. Like you make friends at the table, but then you're off to the next game. And like you see the guy, and you're like, hey, how's it going? Nice to see you again. But the people that you got drunk with and stayed out till two in the morning and then deeply regret your choice the next morning, those are the ones you're going to go seek out next time at the next event. Uh, suck it up, man. 
or, or woman, go friggin' do it. Quit yeah. your pitching. Drink yeah. at a bar. Yeah. As uh, I did not spend my 20s playing Warhammer. Um, <laughs> I stopped playing. I stopped playing when I was 15 or 16. I started playing again when I was like 29 or 30. Um, so when I... <laughs> When I bring out the young bloods, um, you know, I managed to actually convince them to go out with us. Um, I'm the ones taking them to the deep water, not the other way around. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't drink, I don't, I don't drink nearly as much as I used to uh, because my my wife was always my biggest uh, drinking buddy. And then when she uh, got pregnant with our son Victor, um, I was just never really into drinking. I was never really the type of person to just drink by myself. So I just kind of stopped drinking, and then. Uh, after he was born and when, when she was done breastfeeding and she could drink again, uh, I just didn't really like pick it back up again, but I'll, I'll still absolutely go out and tie one on occasionally. Um, I, I still can do that. Um, just not as many drinks. Yeah. Uh, the best thing to do is just, if you know, you have a big weekend coming up, don't sleep deprive yourself in the week, in the weeks and days leading up to it. Um, <laughs> and then take care of yourself leading up to it, you know, like, Tylenol, water, good shoes, sit down when you can, that kind of stuff. So that way it's not as hard when you have like that one hard night. Uh, it'll still suck, but it'll suck less. Prepay for the depravity. It's a good shout. Yep. Yep. Stay hydrated. All right. Uh, unrelated to 40K, but who are your top three bluey characters? Oh, man. Oh, boy. I, I have not been struck by bluey. Mitch. All right, Bluey is a cartoon from Australian sure it is. public broadcasting about a, a family of blue healer dogs who live in an anthropomorphized dog universe, and it is maybe one of the best three shows on television. Not kidding. I Eight mean, long I, episodes, super tight scripts, tear-jerking emotional commitments, so funny. Lessons for the parents. Lessons for the kids. It's not annoying at all. Like it's it's unreal. Um, you had me at not annoying at all. <laughs> it's it's not, at all. I I, uh, I also have a cattle dog. He uh, he turned he turned uh, he's turning eleven uh, this summer. Uh, so a little bit biased there, but yeah, it's it is a good show. Uh, my I've had mixed results with my kid getting into it. So I've only watched the first season. So I don't even know that many characters. Yeah. But the entire the entire family is adorable. Uh, it's the mother, father, and the two daughters. Yeah, uh, and they're they're super adorable. Yeah, uh, we have Paw Patrol phase. Is that uh, similar? Uh, I assume <laughs> Paw Patrol was unwatchable. It made me anxious just with all like the loud and the sound of the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Mitch. Uh, Cliff, I think we're done with our guest. Um, we can just we can go ahead and show him show him the door and continue the questions from here on out. I'm just messing with you, Mitch. Messing wow. with Cliff's face right now. <laughs> wow. Cliff thought I was being serious. I mean, I didn't. I didn't um, have the bluey creds. Am I even a dad? Clearly, no, it, was, it was. It was. It was. The, it was the comparison to Paw Patrol. I was like, boo. Yeah, yeah. Woof. Woof. Uh, what's the next question? What uh, are in, you in your ones, I'm curious how you aggregate your games. One, poor match of terrain. Two, macro error. Ones being the losses that you take. Uh, one, poor matchup slash terrain. Two, macro errors in strategy. Three, micro misplays in game. Three, A, not knowing or understanding the rules. Three, B, just messing up movement, etc. How do you That's categorize your losses? That's too many things. I, 
do not think about it that hard. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just don't. Um, they don't really fit. They don't usually fit like neatly into a category like that. Um, it's usually, it's usually an aggregate of things. And then there was just kind of like one thing that was like the straw that broke the camel's back. Mm-hmm. Um, I will kind of say that when I, whenever I practice win or lose, um, I'll do this a lot. Uh, and sometimes my, my practice opponents who don't practice with me as much. will say like, why do you care? You're winning. I'm like, well, no, I need to make a mental note of it. But like, whenever I make a small mistake, um, even if I'm winning, even if I'm up by 20, I'm like, Oh, uh, if I had put this guy here, that would have scored me an extra point. Or if I would have put this here, this guy would have been screened. I, I, I literally stop what I'm doing. And I say it verbally, made a mistake. Um, Cause those little things, usually those little small optimizations in your game plan, you know, where like you could have literally had a model an inch over here and scored an extra point, or you could have literally deployed this unit over here instead of there. And you could have like done your action that got you like a, a secondary or something like that, you know, and they seem small and uh, practice games where you're like rolling your opponent or getting rolled, it, they seem super inconsequential. But whenever I go to a GT and I go four and one, there's one of three things that happen. One, I just get completely taken by a ride by my opponent. You know, I go back and I reread it. I'm like, oh, wait, hey, hold on. Crisis suits blow up on threes, not twos. Uh, the aura is <laughs> is three inches, not six. What the shit? You know, like. If you uh, cheat, you will win. You will win. That doesn't have. You know, do, do you know how many Abaddons I'm like, that guy probably killed that weekend? But anyhow, um, <laughs> that doesn't happen very often, thankfully. Uh, two, I was just, I, I just wasn't prepared. Um, and there was just like an army that I didn't know very well, like, um, one of those more complicated armies, like some, like an obscure craft world or like, or like Admech or GSC. And I'm kind of like, eh, it'll be fine. I probably won't pair into them. And then I pair into them and I vaguely know what they do, but there'll be like one key stratagem or one key combo that I just, that just blows up a turn. And the game was tight up until that point. And now the game is like a solid five or 10 points out of reach or the wheels just completely come off the bus or whatever. Um, and then the third one is just, there's a, is most of them where it's just like, it's a tight game, but it's just these little, small, small, little, very small decisions and optimizations. Um, and you're just making slightly more of them or your opponent's just doing them slightly better than you are. And he's just kind of like outpacing you and like, he his round one goes five percent better than yours, you know, and then his round two also goes five percent better than yours. But like now he's also has a snowball effect of round one being better, and then round three is going like seven percent better than yours. And I know I'm, I'm just making up numbers; it doesn't really mean anything. But I'm just trying to illustrate a concept. And so it's just this little small snowball effect of them just being slightly outpacing you, and it gets to a point where all of a sudden, like they're now like they've now you know, several car lengths in front of you in, in terms of like where the game is going. That's usually how it happens. So those little mm-hmm. small things is generally like what I try to focus on. You can't control the matchup or the mission or the terrain. All you can control are your choices, right? I never try to guess, oh, it's a better match or a worse match than it if it was on 2-1 instead of 3-2 for the mission or whatever. All you got to say is, what could I have done different, right? It's the only thing that matters. I think that's the same thinking as like, oh, I got diced, which is another thing you have no control over. People who say I got diced never learn. 
people who blame the combination of mission and terrain and opponent never learn, or at least like, you know, if they don't look past that, they never learn. So you can play the game in front of you, right? Yeah. Um, from Jim Stanley, also in the discord, also a pro painter. Uh, what other methods do you use to measure your improvement besides win rate? It can occasionally be difficult to tell if I'm making progress as a player. Oh, can I go on a mini rant? Yeah. I go on a mini rant. I think win rate is yeah. a highly imperfect way to measure your progress. And much Agreed. more importantly, I think it Agreed. massively runs the risk of making you not enjoy playing Warhammer. And I think at the end of the day, if you're not enjoying playing Warhammer, you're fundamentally doing something wrong because the game is just friggin' awesome, yeah. uh, like as a baseline. And if it if you're in a place where you're at an event and you're two and two and you're in round five, and you're either going to think, man, I did great because I won and I went three and two, or man, what a shit event because I went two and three and I didn't have a positive win loss. If that's a state where you where you open yourself up to, it's just like bad times, man. That's just not how <clears throat> that's not how you should model your experience at all. Uh, it's easy to do it that way, and I get it. But I suggest strongly try very hard to not tie your feelings of how well you played or how good of a player you are to any particular events outcomes. What I try to do is say, what kind of mistakes did I make? How can I not make them again? Like if I play a tight game, but I still lose, I'm very fine with that. But if I like screw up, miss position, I let a character get charged because I didn't properly screen it out, that I'm going to walk away and feel really bad about, not whether or not I actually lost the game. So food for thought. It's not easy to do, by the way, but I think it's a much better way to model the world. I, I agree. I don't... Right now, like I think, um, I said, oh, I know it's a lot for some, it's not a lot for others, but like I, I aim for one to two games a week. But honestly, like the games just kind of all my practice games all blend together. Like I can't really remember a specific practice game, I remember specific plays or certainly certain, certain thunderous shooting phases I've been on the receiving end of, or like chain like sweeping chain melees that i've like set up and it's like felt like huge dopamine rush or whatever but um <laughs> it's it's hard to accurately know you'll you'll kind of get the feeling um but there's a phrase we used there's a phrase we use in the military and then we also i use it a lot at work when i'm talking to my like to like people i'm training or whatever because um training sucks um because it's very mentally taxing and i tell people i say you don't it doesn't get easier. You just get better. Um, and if you're constantly like seeking out better and better opponents and you're playing and they're playing hard armies and presumably if you're getting better and you're practicing them regularly, they're also getting better. It's kind of like a steel sharpened steel kind of thing. So it's going to be very hard for you to self analyze and see yourself um, improve. But like, if like, for example, you, you stick to a diet and workout regimen and you lose 20 pounds over six months, you're not going to see that. But people who haven't seen you in a while, they're going to notice. They're going to be like, wow, you look great. You know, same thing. Like if you have been repping and grinding and getting the good practice in, like quantity of quality reps, which means practicing consistently into consistently good people. Um, and then also working to help improve them then there might be that guy who like at the GT, he just absolutely just whomped you. And then you play him or her again, some months down the road and you just beat the brakes off them. And you're being like, wow, like how did I ever have a problem beating this person? 
And it's because you're not going to see all those little incremental improvements you make. But you're going to you're going to start to pick it up over time. Like you're just going to see you're going to get slightly better picking secondaries, deploying, screening your movement. That's the biggest thing is moving with intention and purpose uh, versus just like randomly moving. Um, but like that's I, I'm sorry if that's a non-answer, Jim, but that's that's kind of how it is. Uh, I would say the best indicator would be if you have a team or a competitive group the more people that come to you and seek you out for games, that's probably an indicator that you're doing something right. Yeah. The, you know, it's one of the micro things that I always look at for people to see like at their skill levels at, if they move on to an objective, uh, did they move to the very front of it or the <laughs> very back of it? Or did they ask me if their heroic could catch the whole thing? If they did anything other than those three, then I know they've got a ways to go in terms of movement and positioning. Like you can see these little like, things people will do to get like a quick judge of it. And as you play Ooh. more, you'll do that. You'll never not do one of those three things. Like once you get the reps in, right? Yep. That's, that's actually a good thing. I didn't even, I didn't even think about it. Um, yeah. The amount of pre-measuring uh, someone does tells me a lot um, about where they're at as a player. Um, if they pre-measure just like a tiny bit, then I'm kind of like, okay, they kind of got it. If they pre-measure everything for like several phases away, I'm like, okay, this guy really knows what he's doing. If they pre-measure stuff that's going to happen a full battle round later, I'm like, okay, I'm about to, I'm about to get taken to a clinic here. See, I don't want to do that because I don't want to give him a hint for what I'm going to do next. I'm like eyeballing at that point. Oh, that's the worst thing is because they do that and they basically know they're like, you can, they're like, I'm not even giving, I don't even care if I'm giving this away. I've already first like they're like Doctor Strange. They've like seen like a million different possibilities. <laughs> they, they're prepared for every single one of them. And you, I don't think anything has made me feel like more impotent than when someone pre-measures like a stuff like and basically tells me like what could happen in the next battle round i'm like man like i don't even know if i want to take my turn you already know what i'm gonna do yeah yeah um you can do that with relative simplicity if you're running like a big boy time list where you're just like running a bunch of big monsters or greater demons or knights etc and like throwing out that like narrating the all right i've got like i'm the idiot that runs a trigon prime as behemoth is uh back when that was a thing it's like, all right, take this Trigon, go up here, make this five-inch charge more than likely with the reroll. He's going to kill that unit. I'm consolidating here. And then next turn, I'll be able to charge this thing. Your opponent's like, what is happening right now? You're like, what? You're like, yeah, you got to handle that. Um, it's like causes more both stress and like the anticipation of needing to deal with problems down the line for your opponent, which increases uh, mistake possibilities for them and decreases them. Yeah. Too. Yeah, measure your progress by the mistakes you didn't make and the mistakes you forced them to make, not by win-loss rates as much as yep. you can. Uh, with limited time to play games because of dad mode, how would you maximize the little time that you do have each week to become a better competitive player? How would you spend 30, 60 minutes on nights when you can't get games in? Discord. Discord. I would um, just, like, yeah. keep up with the Joneses. Just, like, build your... You can build online networks just by being an active discorder. Like I, I have known Cliff and Tim for years because of like the best in faction discord. And, and I'm not even that active on it anymore, but yet the friendship persists. And now I get to be on X and one. Like I think just investing a little bit of time into the network community building, actually you can learn a ton because then you could like just ask, Hey, what happens with Votan? And they'll just yeah. like explain it to you. I think that's been the best thing to improve my game apart from like reps. That's Discord huge. is proxy um, for online community, but actually it's all on Discord too. For sure. Yeah. Um, time management, obviously it's a running theme of the show. Time management is key. Uh, I try to generally 
not be super active on discord when I'm home. Um, but like with my job, I spend about half of it on position, phone off, plugged in, just doing what I do. And then I spend half of it on break. My brain is healing and I'm just literally, I can go for walks and I usually go for walks around the building, get some vitamin D, go get some water, maybe take a power nap in the quiet room. We have like a room kind of like almost like a firefighting station. It's pretty sweet. Um, but that's where I do a lot of my list tinkering or like reading up on Wikipedia or like talking to people or just or posting memes or bullshitting. Um, but yeah, having people that you can talk to, being active in these Discord communities, even if you don't really care about a faction, whenever a new book or a new set of rules comes out, um, wait like wait about a day or two for the noise to kind of die down and then pop into the faction not the faction discord maybe but like the faction channel of like one of the big discords like stat check or BitPod or whatever any unit or like world of trade or relic that you see multiple people talking about multiple times you need to like go look it up on wikipedia and find out what it does you know and then find out what it combos with because you will probably see it at your next event um and then beyond that like i know Every time I say this, there's always like that one person who's like, oh, there's value in playing on a full game. Shut up. Um, reracks. Reracks are super, super, super valuable if you have limited time. Yes, occasionally you should play out the games to completion, you know. But a lot of times, like by turn three, it, it's kind of like a lot of times there's just, just like a logical conclusion. It's like, okay, yeah, if you make a great play or if your opponent makes a grievous error or you dice them, you can upset that. And that's worth playing out to see if you can scrap it. But you're going to get, if you're the type of person who's playing zero to one games a week, you're going to get the most value by spending literally a two or three hour session deploying, playing three rounds, and then resetting. Yeah. What's next? Um, yeah. Join the communities, talk to people about it. I'm, I'm often, uh, I'm a list designer who wants to play a very, I want to live my own truth, like Tim said before, but also don't want to live it so wackily. So like being, having access to communities of people that like are experts in the factions they play, who will tell you like, nah, man, that's too silly. Like you've gone too far, pull it back, do this instead. Um, is really helpful, super helpful. You learn a lot about the game from people that are really good at it. Um, and having access to people online who are available and like ready and excited to answer and ask questions is really great. Oh, and here, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and help you guys out. One of the best ways to find high quality community is to pick a Patreon and join it. Because the, the fact of putting a gate around a community in many, many times will just improve the quality of it because the number of people who really want to be talking in are willing to pay $5 a month is not a lot of money. It will break no one's bank account. And yet it is a sufficiently high gate. Uh, best in faction stat check art of war i mean see i put you guys in there like there are a lot of discords out there just jump the gate pay your five dollars maybe it sucks you'll know in a month uh but you'll find a few of them which are much higher value than like open discords tend to be uh very good investment except the sisters discord which is actually phenomenal and public but all the other ones suck because all the other factions suck so pay your five dollars <laughs> unless your sister's player as as someone who spent 15 minutes in the World Eaters Discord, yeah, that was um oh, I what? think you're honest in there, Mitch. <laughs> uh, that's amazing. Uh what models of what models have you guys had in your collection of longest from Tom H in Discord? 
Uh, definitely some, I, I think I have a couple of third edition Tyranid sculpts that I just haven't had the heart to throw out. And then beyond that, actually, it's the, uh, the three sisters exorcists I bought at LVO in 2020, Ooh. um, when they were metal organs. Yeah. Uh, no, no, the plastic ones. Um, mm-hmm. the, the new ones that, cause they, they were available for purchase at, uh, LVO 2020. Oh, okay. Um, so at the time, I was just going to make like just a nasty Imperium gunmine list with like triple Caladius, triple Exorcist, and like set, and like some other stuff. And then I actually ended up just like falling in love with Sisters, and so I just bought the whole army. Uh, well, I think Tim, you are filthy casual if one of your oldest models is plastic that you're talking. My oldest model hey, is the table ITT Battle Sister with bolt gun and Seraphim with uh, bolt pistol. I have the old metal ones. They're not on the stupid Seraphim little like uh, stilts they're on. They're properly rebased, but I got tons of metal in my my army for like the older stuff. That's I'm, I'm 99% sure that uh, that when I left, uh, when I graduated high school and I, I left to go join the Marines, that my my mother got rid of my uh, old metal Karn, my old oh. Land Raider, and my old Bloodthirster. Oh, nice. Those would have been, I bought those in 97, so would have gladly kept them. But alas, no more. Uh, so this is not the first model I bought for 40k. I was like 13 and bought a Necron Warrior, which the one that remember when Necrons first came out, like, like Necrons versus Sister White Dwarf, like that old school Necron Warrior, not the first one. Like the metal like, ones where they're like really hunchy, really hunched over. Yeah, so about that. So that's the oldest model I had purchased, but I don't have it anymore. This model, my mom oh. brought. I'm showing like I'm what I think is a Dark Angels chaplain. Chaplain. It looks like a chaplain. Yeah. 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 Interrogator. That's an interrogator chaplain. Thank you. So like I bought this because I started a Blood Angels army in third edition, fourth edition, and they the Games Workshop did not have the Blood Angels Death Company chaplain. This is when you could like roll free Death Company from all the squads and they get like free power fists and stuff. Uh, but my mom brought that over with a bunch of Gorka Morka models. That she had in the basement uh, after they came to visit us and hang out over the winter break and like i was like wow this model is like 25 years old easy uh, same paint job all that stuff so yeah that's that's probably the oldest model i have in my collection cool uh we're gonna speed run the last couple questions so yep. that way mitch can go to sleep uh so jake another another uh, trick asked... to being a dad playing warhammer don't sleep much just don't see it. That is true. That is true. Uh, this, like, so Jake asked a question about uh, optimizing your flight for dummies. I think I think what we would do is we'll probably shelve that for another episode, or we can do like maybe like a short or something on that. Yeah. Or yeah. we can just Mitch, uh Cliff and I will talk uh offline and we'll see if we can just kind of do like a short little segment. We'll we'll touch base. It will be like a 15 minute thing. What and for we'll dummies? put that Sorry. out there on the channel. Uh, so we were talking the last episode about people who travel to events a lot using um, airline rewards and the credit card rewards oh, and like that cool. that whole thing. Yeah. Um, so a couple couple of my buddies um, didn't know that that was a thing you can do, uh, and so I've been dabbling in it. Cliff is really adept at it, uh, and so it's kind of like one of those things where it's like I need an adult. Well, now I need an adultier adult. You know, like those kind of things, just like level ups to being an adult. That one's that one's pretty high up there. So that's, but it's also really good if you are someone who travels to multiple events a year and stays yeah. at hotels. Uh, so Jake, we we see you. 
uh, I think it'll be a little bit outside of scope for this episode, but I'll leave it pinned and we'll put up a short on it. Uh, best non 40K related advice for a big multi-round tourney. I think this kind of pairs into like what we said earlier, just prepay for your sins. Yeah. Um, sit down when you can, wear comfortable shoes. I like, I personally pack like, like stuff like, like clip bars, energy bars, apples, water, stuff like that. Uh, because a lot of times, especially if you go to like these events, casinos, which I don't recommend, I think the best, the best events are the ones that are running like stadiums or gym, gymnasiums or stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, cause the other ones just absolutely take you to the cleaners. Um, but unless you want to eat like wait in line forever on your feet, exposed to the elements, and then just to only eat crappy overpriced, uh, greasy food, um, just keep your lunch small. Cause, uh, after lunch, your body's going to be focusing so much on digesting that big, heavy meal you had, and you're just going to. Your, your next game is going to be like shit. I guarantee it. Um, so keep it light. Stay off your feet. Drink lots of water. Wear good shoes. Tylenol. Sleep a lot. Uh, totally different advice. And this is going to sound more dad-like. And I was already pretty dad-like advice, Tim, I must say. Uh, <laughs> if you're in a five-rounder for two days, you should model that as an opportunity to make a minimum of five new friends who are the five people you're going to spend three hours with who you have this incredible shared like you know friendships are built out of shared interest my god do you have a weird shared interest and you're going to be doing <laughs> it for three hours you should think about it that way plus all the friends you're going to make because you stayed out late on saturday night like like we like we uh, exhorted you to but if that's true my big advice is Behave in a manner that maximizes the likelihood of those five people being your friend when the game is over and the event is over for the next event. Don't gotcha. Don't trick. Don't, you know, like make fun of bad die rolls. Like, don't be an ass if you win. Like, make sure that person's your friend at the end of the day and you'll both have a better game and you'll be a happier, healthier person for it. That's my advice. Yeah, we're going to up the dadliness of our, of our advice. No, I, I agree. I don't think anything makes people like you more than when you make them feel important. Uh, and I don't mean like fake it. I mean, like really, like treat them like a, like a human being and a person. Um, they're not just someone who's in your way. Uh, yeah. your, your integrity and your reputation, um, it is way more important than whatever your record at that one event is. You won't even, you won't even remember that event a year or two down the road. But if you throw your, uh, your integrity and your reputation in the gutter, uh, people are gonna talk about you. Uh, and that's going to follow you for a while. If that's not important to you, then like, I don't, I don't know what to think about that, but, um, it's important to me. If you want to win at all costs, there are more profitable ways to do so than Warhammer. Yeah, there's literally, <laughs> there places there's literally tens, of, there's literally tens of dollars at stake. Um, okay. <laughs> Last question. How do you guys focus your hobby? Uh, is it events that really get you going or is it appealing project enough to get paint on plastic? Uh, for me, it's a little bit of both. Um, sometimes if I've been in a slump or if I've been slacking, an upcoming event and a deadline can kind of help jumpstart the engine. But usually once I get through a grind, uh, like I haven't painted anything for the past month or two. And the past two weeks, I've been furiously trying to get a World Eaters army up and ready to go. I already have a painted Orcs army. I think if I wanted to win this GT or have a good shot of podium or winning, I would have taken Orcs. Um, but I've been waiting a long time for World Eaters. So I'm going to take World Eaters, even though I don't think they give me as good of a shot as Orcs do. But they, it's it's nice because it's gotten me into painting again. And now that I'm actually painting again, I'm making lots of progress. The motivation is spilling over. And a bunch of projects that I've been sitting on for months 
are now queued up and I'm going to hopefully grab that momentum and carry it into next week and start working on those projects. Uh, I'm going to shout Tim out because he's got an absolutely insane, like speed to quality ratio. Um, like in discord, he posts stuff up and it'll like, you know, an hour will go by. He'll be like, I just primed this model. Two hours later, it's like, look at this excellently painted, highly detailed model <laughs> that I've outlined. Um, it's, it's pretty sick. And I think that that's sort of like, I'm probably 60, 40 hobby play. And my cycle of production tends to be like, get a list ready that I'm excited about, which I think I finally landed on with Death Watch. And then I just like probably get two to three hours a day in of hobby in that dad time segment every day until it's done. Um, and that's, that is, that's enough for me. The trick is to never fix your mistakes. Cool. Uh, Mitch, do you have anything to add on that? Otherwise, that kind of wraps us up. Uh, I mean, my take on this is maybe a little bit different. Maybe, maybe it makes you feel like a tryhard. I don't think I am, but uh, I mean, I super am. But like I, I have very limited time for my hobby, so I very carefully choose how I spend it. I have found I enjoy playing and planning for playing well more than I enjoy painting. I still like painting, but I don't like it as much. And when you're ruthless with your time, the stuff you don't like as much, you do far less proportionally than maybe how much you like it. Like maybe I like playing a little bit more, but I play a whole lot more as a result from the optimization function. So I just play a lot. And I paint to get them to events. I'm like tabletop plus. All my stuff is contrast, but I make sure all the lines are clean, right? And yeah. sometimes... I got a buddy at my club who'll paint commission real cheap. We're talking, I can get 10 or 15 models in exchange for a box of raw plastic. And I will do that without any regrets. Yeah, take that deal. I want to I play. Yeah. That is that is another thing. And we're going to do an episode in the future on uh, all about commissioning. Uh, we'll probably get a um, a commission payer online to talk about it. Because I know some people have like heard about it or know someone does it. Um, I, don't, I think a lot of people probably like have never really taken the jump. Because uh, it can be intimidating to take uh, a couple hundred dollars of models and then just ship it off to someone and hope they have it done in time, you know. And or you may you may decide to change your list, you know, but they already have the models. Um, I've done this before, uh, and it's how I I've never commissioned an entire army, but I have outsourced work. Um, I hate assembly, um, so I usually try to assemble the models at break at work. That way, when I get home, I have models ready to go and paint. And I can just hit the ground running painting, and then there's one last thing I have to do. Because uh, I'm stuck at work anyhow, and I'm on break. I'm not doing anything, so I might as well just put models together. Um, but it's very easy to just find someone in your local group who maybe has a little bit more time than you do and kind of like maybe strike a bargain with them. Be like, hey, man, um, would you be interested in, like, if you have time, like, treat them respectfully. Don't treat them like their time is worthless, but, like, do you, would you be interested in maybe like just assembling and painting two squads of X unit, like two squads of intercessors, two squads of corn berserkers, whatever, uh, just two, three color and based, you know, and I'll make it worth your while. And I got this great show people, called X and one. I'll bring you on as a guest really ready to profile. So, I mean, there's a lot of people who don't consider themselves like commission people. But if you ask them, if like, you know, it's like asking someone to come over and help you move and you like, you know, you make it worth their while, like with, you know, friendship, beer, pizza, stuff like that, you know, like, hey, if like, 
I treat you to a six pack of beer and 50 bucks. Will you assemble these two units and paint them? There's a lot of people that like that. A lot of people with good paying jobs who would like probably pause and consider that, you know, so like try, yeah, try that out. Like, you don't, that's, and you're not, you're not, there's, it's very low risk. It's lower reward because it's only two units, but it's also like low risk. Like if it doesn't work out, they're not likely to get overwhelmed because it's not a huge project, but it's also, that's a lot of time that's back in your pocket. Like maybe that's the difference between you getting like one or two extra practice games in or not. So that would be something I would recommend as well. Yeah. Yeah. Just to reiterate that there are a lot of people like after I just showed my painting of a broken chaplain from when I was 12, um, there are a lot of people out there who like to paint really well and just enjoy it as like sort of a Zen activity um, who like are down. They'll, you know, like, yeah, man, I'll do it for you. Cool. I haven't painted that model before. It sounds great. Um, there's a lot of artists there's a lot of digital artists and regular artists online who like they love they have their passion projects but they also like they have to draw things that they don't want to draw like but some (laughs) online weirdo like paid them a lot of money to do it they're like oh i gotta eat you know so like most artists will be able to tell you that be like man man um i like to do this really artistic thing and there's always that one guy that pays me 200 dollars to draw feet and it's really weird but it's (laughs) puts puts a roof over my head and it's like man you gotta do what you gotta do so I know this guy named Tim. He's like six foot three. He keeps handing me these tiny little plastic models who are nearly naked holding giant chain swords. I don't ask questions. I just paint it. The money's good, man. The money's good. Hey, man. I have an aesthetic. (laughs) All right. Well, I think that wraps us up. Um, Mitch, uh, man, it's really good to catch up with you. Uh, We definitely need uh, to get in touch more often, man. Um, hopefully I see you at the WTC this summer and then, uh, LGT and LGT baby. Yes, it is. Are you going to, are you going to, are you going to go WTC this year? Yeah, absolutely. You are cool. Awesome. I made made the team. I, I better, or I'm going to be in a lot of trouble. Um, yeah, I have, I have no idea. I know I'm on the team. I don't know my status as a starter yet, but I've already bought the plane tickets and we're already looking at hotels. So, uh, yeah, the wife, myself, the wife, kid will be there. And they're, the plan is right now that we're all going to be in London too. So we'll definitely catch up. We'll have some beers on base. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Mitch, where can we find you, man? Uh, go ahead and plug your stuff. Uh, you can find me at the LGT if you're there, clearly. Uh, my, uh, my other major outlet for this weird hobby that i do is a show called sister act 40k it is a sisters only sisters exclusive fact single faction podcast uh it is all we talk about somehow we're 41 episodes deep and i still have more ideas and content than i ever actually produce in real life uh yeah it's a good time so if you like sisters and if if you uh like what you heard here imagine how cool it would be if we only talked about that forever Check us out. Sister 40K. <laughs> you need the 40K. You're going to get Whoopi Goldberg content. So, All right. Awesome. Uh, Cliff, if uh, if that's it, then uh, why don't you take us away? So, yeah, I'll close this out. Um, thanks to all the folks that stayed through the stream, staying with us, throwing the questions in. Good to see you. Hope to see you again in a couple of weeks. Um, if you want to check out more of our content from the rest of the team, Enter the Matrix, Stat Check, the flagship show. Uh, hit us up on YouTube. We're at StatCheck. If you want to join the Discord, we've got nearly 200 people in there. Might be over 200 people in there. Um, there's a giant, we've got like a 55-person TTS tournament league uh, starting up. That got really big really fast. Um, tons of hobby tips, tons of dad time tips, tons of general busy person adult tips. 
lots of amazing players in that Discord, WTC captains, coaches, etc. cetera. Um, if you want to join that Discord, go to patreon.com slash statcheck. Um, throw it in. Um, hit the website if you want to see what's going on in the meta overall to prepare for your X and one runs at your big events. You're going to go to stat-check.com slash dashboard for those goodies and then hit the CRS and ELO, uh, ELO ratings for uh, player skill stuff. Uh, otherwise, we'll see you in a couple weeks. Hit up Sister Act. Mitch, good man. Thanks for coming in. Um, keep up the good work, boys. We'll see you next time. All right. Mitch is, uh, it's real late uh, where Mitch is, so I'm not going to hold him any longer. Mitch, is good to see you again. Thanks for coming on the show. And uh, for everyone else, I'll see you in the Discord, or I'll see you in two weeks. See you. Yeah, it was, it was a blast. Bye-bye. Peace. For more shows like this, check out the Goonhammer Media Network. More info at media.goonhammer.com.